All right, you football-loving maniacs. Time for another episode of Three Honest Lads. We got Devin Kerr and Delray Beach. I'm in my new digs in Hollywood, Florida. We got eight teams left in the USL Championship. We just cut it right in half this past weekend. We had all sorts of interesting results to talk about. We'll go through every single one with a fine-tooth comb. Devin Kerr had himself a night last night. We'll get into that in a little bit. I will read you off the text messages that he sent me because they were pure gold, great back and forth, um, which is not par for the course considering how poor we were during the Phoenix game, you know, which is par for the course basically for us in the booth. But Devin Kerr, I mean, we have, we have so much to talk about, so much to cover, so little time. I mean, in theory, we could do another hour and a half pod like the live episode, but we're going to try to keep it as short as possible. But there's, I mean, we're, we're getting down to it. We're getting down to the nitty gritty. We got some great games coming up and I am, I'm jacked up, man. I really am. I, I can't even begin to tell you. I'm sober still. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did my best to try and to make some work out. When you lead down into that story, I'll give you the rest of the background of how that night ended up because I'm, I'm going to run it back tonight. There's something wrong yeah. with my body in a good way, and it's just it's. I don't know if there's anything wrong with uh, your body. I think it's just you've conditioned it so well. I mean, you're it's a gift. It really it, is. It is a, a gift. gift. So I I just want to let you guys know. So let's get into it right now because I mean, there's no there's no time like the present. So rip the bandaid off. Well, let's rip the bandaid off. So basically. With the with the playoffs going on right now, there's not we don't have a ton. I mean, Devin has some ESPN games. I've got some Concacaf games, but other than that, I mean, it's like one or two games throughout the th- over the weekend, and that's really it. So we we find ourselves with 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 an unusual amount of free time as of late. And Devin calls me last night. I was meeting up with a friend, and I step away from dinner to to grab, to grab the call. And Devin goes really quickly. I just want to let you know that I'm gonna try to get drunk within an hour. I said, okay, great. And he goes, I'm gonna send you updates. I said, okay, fine. So he sends me an initial picture of two pillar lights on top of his washer machine in his garage. One of them was finished. One of them was not. It says one of two done. Then he sends me another picture of a Miller light. He said two down, headed to restaurant. Then he says, go for it. Three and four headed down the hatch at the restaurant. Had to switch to Pacifico and Milagro Reposado, but went in Rome. And then there's a shot glass and a picture of another beer. And then he sends the same exact picture without the without the after picture. He just sends another picture of another shot glass filled and another beer filled. And then I get another text with the shot glass empty and the beer glass empty saying things progressing nicely. And I go, you're doing to your liver what Pittsburgh did to Birmingham the other night. That's <laughs> what I said. You're, you're giant, don't I, say that. Don't say that one. Don't say the next one. It's so inappropriate. Just give to mine. And then he goes, and then he goes, ha, 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 on both. I can't say the other one. This is you next to me on camera. Then there's a recording. And truth be told, I haven't even listened to the recording yet because there was so You want me to sing it? You can sing it. Yeah, you can sing it. So I, so my response to you was, ha, 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 on both. This is you next to me on camera. I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a ball. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the 10 seconds. I say, LOL. I then am approaching. I'm, I've got a 15-minute mark, so it's 9.29. The initial call was at 8.44. There's a Miller Lite in the garbage can. I said, don't judge the candy wrappers because it's Halloween. Like, there's candy wrappers here. Then the next one was it says, oh, that was number five. Don't judge the candy wrappers. Number six on its way. We were watching some stupid thing on Netflix called. I saw that. I saw that. Oh, my God. What were you watching? That's, uh, that's, so that my, boy, the, my boy yesterday at lunch told me that he's kind of corny like me with some stuff, but. 
they watch Stranger Things. I'm not knocking that thing. I'm not knocking that show at all. I've never seen it. And then some kid who was a famous actor on it, who's doing like the corny pranking stuff. And anyway, so that's what that was. I said number six on its way. You can take over from there. Um, he said number six on its way. Send me a picture of all the food that he had in front, which is an enormous amount of food for already having downed six beers at this point. And then I made a comment about a certain goalkeeper in the Western Conference. Um, I, won't, I won't say what I won't say. It. Keep in mind that I was also pretty liquid at this point as well. I had a few drinks at Louis Bossi's, which is a fantastic Italian restaurant in Los Olos in Fort Lauderdale, if you, if you ever make your way down to this neck of the woods. And, he go, and I said, your mistake is eating too heavy. And he said, saves room for one beer. Not okay. Um, and then we can start talking about the pod. But I, I mean, just to give you sort of an insight into to the gym to the life. I mean, like Devin called me at, at you know at like half past eight, and I thought that he would want to talk about the podcast. He wanted to talk about maybe you know Jimmy Nielsen getting let go, whatever it might be. And this kid literally calls me to let me know that he's going to embark on a journey and trying to get himself drunk in an hour. And anybody who knows Devin knows that that is more or less an impossible task. It's, it's basically yeah. like, it's like Birmingham trying to come back from a seven nil loss. It, it, it just didn't happen more time than that. Also, you didn't have enough liquor. I feel like that's, yeah, you, but you were, I was trying, but I was, here was the thing and I don't disagree with you, but here was my thought on it. I'm not going to slam my eight, 10, 12, 14% nice beers. Those are my sipping beers. Those are my, Hey, how are you? I'd like to meet a nice young lady. Come on over. Even though I'm married, I would, you know, you know what I mean? I'm saving those beer for good times. And I had an abundance of Miller Lite in my house because I haven't had a lot to drink recently. I've been traveling so much and doing all these games. So I finally sat back and I was like, I'm going to have some beers. And I had so much Miller Lite. There's got to be at least 40 in my garage. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to say hello to a little friend. So I went out and Miller Lite for me is basically mainlining purified H2O into my system. So in order for me to do that, I, I need to at least get a 12-pack in. People are going to be like, oh, ha, ha. Tyler's seen it firsthand. I'm not bragging. I'm just stating facts, okay? It is facts. And, and, and those facts, when I have a lot of them, they don't affect the figure. You know, I got to keep going. So I, I, I had the, the tequila, and I was like, okay, I'm going to have that. And then, you know, it, it reached the hour mark, and I was like, look, it's 930. I've had the burrito. I've had some the chicken tortilla, whatever soup. It was amazing. Chicken. I had... Chicken, chicken, <laughs> order dinner, order pizza, chicken. And I was like, you know what? I'm like, I'm going to call it quits, but I'm going to run it back tonight. I, I'm going to run it back tonight because God only knows. I was, I was initially thinking, okay, I'm going to take Monday and Tuesday off. Wednesday, I'm going to do something. Thursday, Friday off. Saturday off because I'm traveling and I have a college game. And then Sunday, I'll have beers after the game. But then I realized everything that was going on and the fact that Monday night football was the Dolphins and the Steelers. Now, I have to have Monday Night Football on, but I'm not going to watch that game sober. So I said, okay, you know what? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll finish the podcast, and then I'm going to go work out, and then I'm going to find out what my beautiful wife wants for dinner, and I'll get drunk cooking dinner, you know? People having Listen, people. feel I, so good. I respect Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, so we have we have a lot to talk about. We have stuff to talk about in terms of coaches. We have stuff to talk about, obviously, in terms of postseason. postseason. Devin, where would you like to start? I'm going to allow you to, to sort of guide us what, what road you want to go down, and then I'll drive us down the road. I'm going to start with Jimmy Nielsen. I want to start with Hartford and Jimmy Nielsen. You can start there, and then I'll play off of you. Sound good? 
Sounds good. So the fighting Jimmy Nielsen's are no more, or at least until Jimmy takes over another job and another team becomes the fighting Jimmy Nielsen's. And yes, that is going to be the case. Don't, don't think that Hartford, you know, has some sort of monopoly on that name, whatever team that Jimmy Nielsen coaches, even if it's a U 16 girls team, it will be the fighting Jimmy Nielsen. Um, unfortunately let go, you know, they come out with a statement that says mutually agreed to part ways. We've seen that before. Jimmy still had a couple of years left on his contract, which is interesting. Um, we are going to try to get Jimmy, and we would love to have him on. Devin and I have a very good relationship with Jimmy, and we would love to be able to sort of pick his brain about what's next and, and how the whole thing went down. Um, I, I will say this. It, it is a result-driven business. If we've learned anything from the past 10 years in football and managers, wherever it might be, is that you need to get results in order to keep your job. But when you look at what Hartford had to go through this year in starting their first eight games or whatever it was on the road against basically seven out of the eight best teams in the Eastern Conference, playing at the rent, then playing at Dillon, injuries, um, guys underperforming. I, I, I'm hard-pressed to see a world in which a sane person truly believes that Jimmy Nielsen was the problem. Now, we have no idea what went down and what the conversations were like, and maybe it was 100% mutual. We have no idea, and that's why we're going to try to get Jimmy on here. But I will say this. There had to have been some other element of this other than the fact that, okay, you finished as one of the worst teams in the league, you're going to get fired because it's your, it's an expansion season. The way you started out the year was, was basically cruel from a scheduling standpoint. And USL Championship, just remember that Devin and I's offer still stands out to go over the schedule with a fine-tooth comb and make sure that nobody's getting shafted in the first you know, month of the season. But with all that said, I mean, we're seeing a lot of coaches lose their jobs. We're seeing other coaches come back into the league. You know, Steve Cook exit, Alan Koch comes in, Jimmy Nielsen out. You know, who, who's next? We have no idea. Um, so I, it, it's, it's really, really interesting. Devin? You pretty much said everything. I mean, I, I think the biggest thing is is the schedule to start. I think it is appalling what they did to this team. And it could have been any team, to be fair. Now, I, I want to say that. Most teams don't have to start eight on the road. I get that. But even if you even if you took Louisville and gave them this schedule of their first eight games of the season, I would say, what the heck is wrong with you? Real simple. Ready? Remember, all of them are on the road. Battery, Louisville, Indy 11, Rowdies, River Rhinos, Red Bull 2, North Carolina FC. I skipped the Atlanta United 2 game, which was one of the hotter teams to finish the Eastern Conference next to Loudoun at the end of the year. But you you literally just played every single playoff team. That's not fair. Like, it's, it's stupid. And any expansion team is going to deal with the ups and downs. Ask New Mexico United. You know, not everybody is going to deal. And even New, El Paso had it, but Austin Bold had it. El Paso had it. New Mexico United. I'm just running through the West. We'll jump over to the East. You obviously saw what Birmingham had. Birmingham, remember, they just rattled off. They went, what, nine unbeaten with five wins, something like that? They had a beautiful run. And then up, down, up, down, up, down. We know how that finished. Thank you very much, Pittsburgh and Highmark. And to do this to a team was appalling. We said it in March. We said it in April. I don't know what went on with Jimmy. We will find out. And look, at he got paid. I mean, whatever the agreement was, he got something out of it. Because like you said, he, he had two more remaining on it on the three-year contract. And um, this is a team that you know, down the stretch, they had some results. Remember, they smoked Birmingham 4 nothing on the last smoked actual Birmingham. Wednesday night soccer game. Which, by no. the way, shout out to John Hackworth, who behind the scenes was like, yo, this is going to happen. He called it. He told Mike Watts. He said, listen, I'm watching. I, 
I, I can see this coming from a mile away. And he knew Hartford was going to do it. That was, he said that before the game even happened, I was actually taken back by that. Um, not that Hartford won, but just in that fashion. And look, they got better, man. They, they had players with injury concerns. Alex Dixon was walking wounded all season long, including the end of the year. I mean, they never fully got fit. We saw the article that was released, which we hadn't even addressed about poor conditions. Some of that, I, I, with all due respect, I didn't agree with everything that was said because some of it was opinion-based. What about this? What about that? Well, you can't write a factual column and then ask questions in it. You can, but people are going to question the credibility of it. And so when you say, oh, you know, this is this and this is that, and oh, this is what happened, but players wouldn't comment. It's like, well, okay, well, if it happened and players wouldn't comment, explain to me how that happened then. Um, yeah. They yeah. Also, I mean, yeah, they also, they also got comments from guys like Tyler David's situation where he got hurt. They had to wait on an MRI. And then the piece says, well, were they waiting because they were waiting for insurance coverage, which is possible, or were they waiting because the club didn't want to do it? That's possible as well. You can throw that out there, but I personally, if I'm going to write a factual piece, I'd rather have that answer or just leave it out. That's just me. Yeah, That's a yeah. personal preference on the writing. I mean, um, there's no right or wrong there, but there at the end the of the right day, I agree with you. Yeah, Jimmy's going to land somewhere, and I actually do feel bad that he's not in Hartford. I thought that they got better as the year went on. He figured out what the recipe was there. And, and he knew what direction to take it. And they got some quality results. Remember, that team, Loudon, they smoked them 5-1, by the way. And a team that yeah. pretty much beat a lot of really good teams down the stretch. Them, Charlotte, and Atlanta United, too. So it's sad, but the best of times, the worst of times, the uh, the White Puma will hunt again. Yes, it will. All right. So with all that said, and Jimmy, if you're listening, we love you. And we hope to have you on the pod soon. Um, let's take a look at the playoff games. And I woke up this Saturday, and I was just, like, I love the fact that this Monarchs game started at 3 and then just for the rest of the day it was nonstop. It was just, here we go. Devin, what do we got for time? Uh, 13, 15 in. Yeah, go. 15, 12. Say it. 15, 12? Yeah, yeah. My nipples were tingling waking up on Saturday morning. And I'll tell you who else's nipples were tingling with Jameson Alave and the Real Monarchs. I mean, I watched that game. I watched the first half. I had a little bit of a late Friday night, but that's okay. And I, I, I closed my eyes for halftime. And, you know, my nap ran a little bit into, into the second half. And I opened my eyes. It was like 5-1. And I just like, what the, what the hell just happened? <laughs> I mean, Monarchs were up 2-1 at halftime. Orozco gets one back um, in, in pretty incredible fashion. And the Monarchs just run away with it after Forrester gets sent off. Um, I think that a lot of people probably expected this to possibly be the best game on the West Coast. Stop me if I'm wrong. Um, I mean, just from a seeding standpoint and from form as of late, you know, Orange County turned it around after they got their pieces back. The Monarchs had big wins. Um, you know, they basically beat or drew every single team with the exception of one or two in the postseason, the last five games of the year. And a lot of people expected this game to be super tight back and forth, but it wasn't back and forth. It was just fourth. And Real Monarchs were very forthcoming in the way that they played that game. 6-2 was your final score. Devin, have you had an opportunity to go back and watch that one yet or no? I, I can honestly say that I've seen every game now. <laughs> Good for you. Oh, my life. I thought, yeah. So let's get this out of the way right now. Orange County's not going to be happy. Real Monarchs were the better team the entire day, even after the Orozco goal. It, it was good to see them get. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they, it, it was good to see them get the goal, but um, it was the most anticipated matchup. Um, and it, just in terms of overall quality, both of these teams are probably the two teams best in form um, in terms of overall playing coming in. And 
Um, I just thought that they controlled the match. It, it was nothing like what you saw in Sac and Reno. Real Monarchs controlled the match, and Orange County, you know, they grab a little bit, but the the double yellow by Harry Forrester, um, you know, left a bad taste in the mouth, and you're on the field. It, I don't even care that they're making their substitutions. I mean, they've, they've basically done it a couple times now where they're allowing Douglas Martinez to play 45 minutes and bring Kyle Coffey in. We didn't see it in the Phoenix game uh, because Martinez was with RSL, but they're good, man. The biggest talking point for me is what they did again in terms of their strategy. So when you go back and look at the Monarchs and their form at the end of the year, so and you just reference it, they beat Sacramento, they beat Austin, or excuse me, they drew Austin, um, they won at Phoenix, beat Orange County, beat Reno. That was the start of that run. I'm going to stay away from the RGV because there were some other wins in there, but in the start of it, at Reno and then home to Orange County, what did they do? They went to a three-back with Tate Schmidt and Noah Powder basically operating as their wingbacks. And Tate Schmidt's been a fun one to watch uh, coming out of Louisville where he's a striker, you know, RSL system. They keep him actually trained with Phoenix in the preseason. Just to make it clear, when Devin says Louisville, he's meaning University of Louisville. He was never with Louisville. Continue. Sorry. Correct. Correct. Sorry. Um, and, you know, you reach a point in time in your career. Now, this can happen in high school. It can happen in college. It can happen in pro where – you're still a very talented individual. You just may not necessarily suit a certain part of the field. I was someone like that. I mean, I was a central midfielder until I was 15, 16 years old. And um, then I bounced to outside mid and then, and then to center back. And this is the same thing for Tate Schmidt. And, and they, so they jump into their wingbacks. They did the same thing in this game where Kalen Ryden is playing great. Conrad in the middle, Eric Holt on the right. Like those three guys are doing well together. And then, so what, what's your back line going to look like? And they used Tate and Noah again. And it was really impressive. And they just overstacked the middle. And I wondered what they were going to do having played two out of their, or excuse me, having played the previous two when they went to Phoenix, I, I, which by the way, I have to talk to you about Alave and what he said to me, but I was wondering what they were going to do tactically. And I said, you guys going to sit? He's like, yeah, we have to, you know, we, we got to compress ourselves. And obviously people are figuring out what the formula is, but I said, okay. And I'm like, how about your shift? He goes, yeah, you know, that was, that was a personnel thing because um, shortage of games, you know, we're rotating three. And I think it was like 14 days or 15 days. You got three games, 14, 15 days. Um, you know, we have to figure out how to, how to rotate through that. And so, so I went with three. They didn't have that same issue here. You know, they, they had a full week to prepare, but they still went with three. So they liked what they were able to do at home. They did it again. Um, I'm not saying they're going to a three. I'm pretty sure that they're going to sit four again, but I really liked what they were capable of in general, yet alone. Now they've got this versatility where they can rotate people around where Justin Portillo can sit in front of the center backs, but he can also be your eight in, you know, a diamond shaped midfield where you can step him forward. We know what Martinez and Chang are, and this is a team that is just getting better every time. I don't know if they have what it takes to do it against Phoenix again, but sticking with the Orange County game, it was really impressive. All right, moving on. Um, let's skip over Pittsburgh and Birmingham just because it, it's a hard pass. It, it was a touchdown and an extra point. Um, I, I'll say this because that game was going on simultaneously. I was actually watching the Louisville-Tampa Bay game and Pittsburgh-Birmingham game with our lovely producer, Shawnee Yerke. Not our producer on the show, of course, Alex Goldstein is, but um, Shawnee does most of our games at Vista. And, you know, Birmingham looked disinterested. They looked disorganized. Um, basically, as soon as the first goal went in, Birmingham had no interest in being, in being there. And I will say this, 
between the Pittsburgh game and the Louisville game. That was some of the worst weather I've ever seen in two playoff games that are operating um, parallel to each other. And despite the weather at Highmark, I mean, shout out to the Steel Army. That, that was awesome. That was so cool. I mean, that Highmark was absolutely buzzing. And this is the first time that Pittsburgh has gotten out of the first round of the postseason, basically since the Bush administration. Um, it, it's it's really, really impressive what they were able to do. But, you know, at Birmingham, just as much as Pittsburgh went in and grabbed that game by the scruff of the neck, Birmingham also just didn't show up. They never got off the bus. Um, let's talk about the most anticipated game in the East, and that was Louisville and Tampa Bay. And this is a rematch of a game back at Slugger a few weeks ago where Louisville took a 2-0 lead. They got a goal on either side of halftime. And Tampa gets a guy sent off, and then Louisville capitulate. They give up two goals late, and it's a draw. And after that game, I thought that they were not going to get a home game. And this is why, okay, and listen very, very carefully. For all the teams that stumbled out of form or doing rotation or doing whatever, clearly not focusing on the end of the season, if you're going to have a dip in form and you've been in a playoff position the entire time or you're going to get a home game in the first round and you drop out and then you get bounced in the first round, I do not feel bad for you because you switched off, okay? You switched off as soon as you saw that graphic on Twitter that says, you know, Tampa Bay Rowdies clinch playoff spot, New York Rebels to, you know, clinch playoff spot. That is a mental issue for me. It's nothing other than that because clearly you put in a large body of work over the course of 30 games and in the last whatever of the season, last, you know, eighth, ninth of the season, whatever you want to call it, you switched off because you were like, we're already here. All we need to do is rack up, you know, one win, maybe a draw or two, and we'll get a home playoff game. Tampa Bay, you deserve to get bounced in the first round for the way that you finished off the season and Louisville is professional. Despite the weather, despite the fact that it's a baseball field and probably the worst baseball field that we have in the USL championship, thank goodness for um, the Lynn Family Stadium in 2020. But, I mean, they they deserve to lose that game. I mean, I know they got one late, and Devin, I think that you can, you, you'd be the first one to say this. It was a professional performance from Louisville again. I mean, Rasmussen's goals, were they the previous? No, by no stretch of the imagination. You know, a couple of deflections, Omi gets a piece of one, Rasmussen finishes with the left, he finishes with the right. But the way that they killed off the game, the way that they managed the tempo, and again, if you're Tampa Bay, you should have been playing that game in Lang. There's no excuse. There's zero excuse, and you deserve to get down from the first round. I'll see you in 2020. That's what I have to say about that. Hello, Mr. Kerr. You say something? I switched off. I was, I was, um, I was North Carolina and ready. <laughs> I'm with you. Dude, we're on, we're on the same plane. Yeah, I mean, um, I'll let the playoff. I'm not going to touch your playoff rank about home field because I agree with you. Um, nothing else needs to be said. In terms of this match, Louisville opening 45 minutes, professional, two goals back-to-back, similar fashion. One takes a little flick, one doesn't, but they're, they are identical to each other. Great wing play, work down in the channel, near post run, back of the net, 76 seconds. Magnus Rasmussen put this thing to bed. Lou City showed up in, or excuse me, Rowdy showed up in 80th minute. I want to know what happened with Andrew Tenari. Uh, coming into this match, this team was lacking a number 10. They needed it. They needed to find a way to get an attacker. And, um, you know, they went with Jan Ekra sitting in front of Damaduro and Quadwapoku. Quadwapoku was man of the match for them, kept them in it, gave them the ability to try and open this game up a little bit. I like the energy that came off the bench from Juan Tejada. Um, but even when Tanari came off the bench, 72nd, 73rd, 74th, somewhere in there, he disinterested. They didn't look good. They didn't look impressive. Gwenzati gets the goal back and then it was like, all right, hang on for your dear life. But it, it didn't even turn into that. I mean, this is one of those ones where, look, 
don't give Louisville a home game. This is real simple. Like, you, you beat Hartford at the end of the year. You're fine. You go to Al Lang. You have a much better chance of winning this. But instead, you, you basically throw your f***ing twice. How far are we? <laughs> 27 minutes. <laughs> I didn't even mean to do that. Uh, I didn't even mean to do that. <laughs> you throw your life down the line. That's what it is. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's amazing, by the way, that I'm able to get through a broadcast without cursing, because that wasn't even meant to. I was just talking. <laughs> you know, somebody somebody said that to me the other day. I think it was my dad or somebody. I, like, my dad said it to me recently, and then somebody else, like, somebody I might have got on a date with, and they were just like, you have a real potty mouth. Like, you curse a lot. And I'm like, yeah, I do. But what I do for a living, I literally can't. Like, I will get fired, and I will be homeless on the streets in a matter of weeks if I do bring that to the table. So I yeah. literally view it as I need to get all of it out when I'm not on air. It's so simple for me. But I mean, yeah, it, 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 as my father would put it, it's a lot of gratuitous cursing. I mean, it's cursing that is unnecessary, yeah. but you know, it's all necessary. Is, is it necessary for me to drink my own urine? No, but it's, I do it anyway because it's sterile and I like to taste, you know, something, something along those lines. <laughs> Patches, settle down over there. <laughs> oh man move us uh, on let's do it where were we what were we talking about yeah we're done i'm done lou will beat tampa they, okay. they were a better team move me let's go um in the 11 and rebels too this was a bit of an odd one um carl it was met. fun i liked it carl we met is the, is, is the goal scorer it's the 27th um you know another another case of the you know, I see the graphic on Twitter that we clinch a spot and I'm just going to stop playing and we don't get a home game and we pay the price when we go to IUPUI. Um, listen, I, I said to you, I was not worried about Indy 11, even though that they were going to be switching venues um, for the postseason. And I still think that they're going to, they're still going to rattle off some wins here. Um, I still have not seen that game yet. So I will bow out to you, sir. I was beyond impressed with their defensive composition against Red Bull 2. Remember, Red Bull 2 is a it's a whole other animal in general, yet alone when they hit the playoffs. And the back line in a three is always really interesting, pending what organization. You know, the, the three from Indy is different from the three at Atlanta, right? And um, I'm obviously referencing Atlanta United, not the two boys. But you can have – or Pittsburgh, we'll keep it in. We'll keep it in. You can have – Pittsburgh, where it is almost a five exclusively compared to Indy, where you've got Neville, Patty, and Carl Wimette sitting on the back line. And basically what they did was they sat three, and, and that three will rotate side to side in terms of that, that flat line. But what really got me was I loved Ioze on the left. Maca King was on the right. So they're pinching out. They did a really good job of compressing to a five and then stepping back up into the middle. What they did with their central midfielders was Tyler Gibson basically – you basically played a 3-3-2-2, three, three, two, two, if you can stay with me. So three are compressed. You spread your outside wing back outside of your right center back and left center back. You let Tyler Gibson sit right in front of Patty Barrett. And then you drop two midfielders, Kenny Walker and Drew Connor. They were basically clogging the space up another level. So you had four different levels with a 3-3-2-2. Three, three, two, two. They were clogging the space. And then you had Pasher and Kelly who would shift left and right. Defensively, it was amazing. I, I thought it was a beautifully performed game, all 90 minutes of it. My concern is is the offensive side of things, where I think defensively they have really gotten a lot better. They were never bad, but it's gotten a lot better. My question is, is when they're playing a team that doesn't expose themselves as much as Red Bull 2, Red Bull 2 played well, by the way. They couldn't score, but Andy just did a good job of controlling the game. 
when you play a team that doesn't expose itself, like Nashville, they don't open themselves, excuse me, up a lot. They probably shouldn't score more goals, but they don't open themselves up a lot. And so what are you going to do with your limited opportunities? Because versus Red Bull, I'm looking at it right now. It's five shots, one on goal, one in the back of the net. It's very efficient. 20% of your shots hit the net, one went in, and you're 100% conversion rate. That's awesome. But that Nashville is a team that's going to limit you even more. And so what are you going to do when you start to turn and go the other way? I'd like to see more of that step from Maka King and Ioze. That was a great goal they scored with Wemet on the counter after a set piece that didn't go their way. But that's because numbers were up high and you stayed there. What are you going to do in transition? Whereas earlier in the year, I actually thought their transition was better. I'm a little concerned as what it's going to look like. I still think they're going to win, but offensively, they're going to have to evolve in the next 90 minutes in order to, to win that match. It's interesting you talk about the transition of this team because, I, I mean, I'm, I was in the same boat with you in terms of when we saw them in the first month and a half, two months of the season, um, I was like, wow, for, for a team that we expected to be so defensively minded, but, you know, they pick up all these great offensive pieces um, and everything like that. But, you know, transitionally, um, you're 100% spot on when I go, you know, I, I, there was a big gap between when I saw them in the beginning of the season and when I saw them at the end, like a few months had gone by. and It was almost like watching a different team. But, um, you know, I think that just, you know, Patty Barrett and Fumed and, you know, whoever is playing along that back line, they're, they're just beasts. They're hackshaw. They're they're absolute mooses, and I say that like with with in the most endearing of ways. Um, they're they're so difficult to get around. But Nashville and Indy, that's going to be a slugfest. There's there's no other way to put that. That will be 15 rounds of physical, brutal Eastern Conference football. Like I love that. That's going to be so much fun. Um, you know, here's down the West. I want to I want to tell you a stat for a second, real quick, by the way, because. I was just thinking about it in my head when you were talking about evolution. Check this out. You ready? Multiple goal games against playoff teams. Are you ready for it? Now, this is, this is Indy against playoff teams. I just scrolled through and did this. They beat Pittsburgh 2-1 in June at Lucas Oil. They beat Birmingham 3-0 on June 26th at Lucas Oil. That win, by the way, or that loss by Birmingham was when they turned around with nine unbeaten. So that's twice. They beat North Carolina at North Carolina on August 3rd, and they beat Ottawa on September 11th, 2-0 at Lucas Oil. Other than that, this team, so four times this year, they put more than one goal in the back of the NFL playoff team. Otherwise, it's been a draw or, or one goal game. Interesting. I mean, listen, yeah. it, 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 it's, it's interesting from the standpoint that, you know, you can bring these statistics into the postseason if you want, but, you know, ask Phoenix. You don't need to score a goal in order to advance. You can just draw for 120 minutes and then find a way to get it on the penalties. Um, we'll, we'll get there in a second. Let's round out the Eastern Conference. Um, this is another game I, I never really had. I never thought Charleston were going to win this game. I barely thought that they should have beaten Ottawa. I, I thought that Ottawa were probably the better team in that game. Um, but the Charleston come away as winners in penalties, and then they travel to Nashville. Nashville get their first ever postseason win. Um, it could be the last postseason win, especially with them going to Major League Soccer. Um, so, I, I mean, do you, do you want to stay on this? I'm more interested in, in, in previewing the Nashville Indy matchup than, than focusing on this. I mean, it just seemed like a game that was dominated by Nashville, and they get a late insurance goal from Derek Jones. Great run. Um, and we know what Nashville is capable of. I mean, they're, they're absolute beasts defensively, much like Indy. Um, you know, probably lack a little bit more offensive firepower than Indy, at least the cohesion aspect of it, not necessarily the names on the back of the shirts. Um, but anything to add? I would like to add something about the Nashville fan base, actually. One person ahead, specifically. Yeah. Is that okay? Go, uh, listen, it's, it's more than okay. So you and I have the opportunity to interact with a lot of players, coaches, fan bases, and anytime we're given a platform to speak to them, we are beyond grateful. And, and I think that it's, it's the coolest thing ever that 
we can chat with these people and trying to, you know, give our insight on things. So having that opportunity, the boys from Soccer City Radio, um, Howie Lindsay, who, who handles PR for Louisville City, Lance McGarvey, who is the PA announcer in stadium for Louisville City. And um, I believe Kevin, his last name, Kevin's last name is Kernan, right? Their radio voice? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. My apologies, Kevin, if I got that wrong. So those three guys were kind enough to have me on their show. Anyway, I went through and, and they were asking me about all the teams. So what I said about Nashville was they were vanilla. We voiced our concerns about them before, but they were vanilla. I felt like with all the attacking pieces they had, I needed to see more out of them. And that's where their game is lacking. Then I, and that's paraphrasing it. But then I turned the page in and said, where they lack offensively, this might be one of the best defensive teams in all the USL championship, not just the East. And I have the highest respect for Gary Smith. So I got two comments on Twitter, which I'm going to address. Number one, person that goes by the name of at Denzel underscore Bowers. Hang on, let me see how far we're in here because this idiot used profanity. 49 minutes started at 13. That's 36. He says, 36-15, Alex, who the f*** is Devin Kerr laughing my ass off? I'll tell you who I am. I'm the person who is much more educated in this league than you are. Watch something other than that crappy play that comes out of your stadium and educate yourself on the rest of the teams around the league. That doesn't mean that you have to like what you see. That means you have to understand what is going on around you. When you stick to the confines of 5,000 people inside Nissan Stadium, good riddance. What you need to do is pay attention to First Tennessee Park when Louisville comes to beat you or when you go on the road and can't find a goal. Then you can start cursing at me. The person who else I'm going to speak to is NSC Guru. By the way, no one knows who you are. No one responded to either one of your tweets, except for, I believe, USL Memes, who I'm grateful for. And they said he's an analyst for USL and ESPN. Shout out USL Memes. Respect your work. Very well done. Engage Travis is the name, but he goes by NSC Guru. What's the Kerr? Doesn't she play for Australia's women's team? First of all, Devin Kerr, not Sam, Devin Kerr plays the United States women's national team. She does not make a lot of starts. And she played for Houston. Again, educate yourself so you don't look like a moron on social media. If you know other teams around, then you can talk to me. Until then, keep your mouth shut and be grateful for the time that you have left in this league because it's not very long. Go ahead. Move on. Get him! Get him! That's what I'm talking about, baby. <laughs> like, I don't care. Here's my thing, and Tyler will agree with this. I don't care when people come at me. I don't. But come at me with substance. Have an actual come opportunity come to come engage. Come, come at me real, with something. Come with the, here you go, Alex. Come with that real shit. Don't come with that thing. Don't get yeah. Yeah, I mean literally. Get your it. Just bleep it. Bleep everything out. Bleep it all out, Alex. We're 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 28 minutes in. 38. Bleep it out. There it is. It's 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 very comparable to when you see when you see like a number seven or a number eleven, you know, going into a tackle as a six is trying to make a recovery run, and you and you see like that seven or eleven dip their toe in, and the six, whoever it might be, Tyler Gibson, Kevin Lambert, you know, Pekka, whoever it might be, and they just they just get after the challenge like a man, and then the seven or eleven, you know, rising around in pain, you know, they they you know they catch maybe a little bit of an injury, whatever it might be, and it's like you you came weak. You came to the seminar week and you had no you had no business being there. You dipped the toe in. What did you think was going to happen? Don't dip your toe in. If you're going to come at somebody, come correct. That's all I got to say. All right, let's keep moving on. So let's. That means we got to go more West Coast. You know, we started out with a you know with a noon game at Zion Bank Stadium their time, three o'clock Eastern time. Now we go back into the Western Conference, Rio and Sacramento. Um, I can confidently say that my bracket is, is not busted because of this result, but certainly, you know, there's a couple of X marks lingering. 
Um, I certainly didn't expect this. I thought that Sacramento were so far gone that they weren't even going to win the New Mexico game. Shame on me because, you know, it takes a big man to admit when they're wrong. I, I am that big man in this moment. The Quails find a way to get it done. Um, I, I will say this. There were some concerning moments with Reno towards the end of the regular season. There were more concerning moments with Sacramento. So that's why I had Reno progressing, not only past this round, but into the conference. Uh, I, no, I, I didn't have the conference final, but whatever the case might be. Sacramento, that's a big result at Greater Nevada Field. That's a tough place to play. Many teams have tried. Many teams have failed. It was a Sacramento group that, that Devin, you and I can both agree, were underachieving for the amount of talent that they had. They should never have been playing in a playing game. Um, you know, if they had been on the road for a playing game, it would have been worse, obviously. But, you know, you, you showed me the this, this scoreline, and you said, I don't know if you could have gotten a better score sheet out of that game than what, what you ended up getting. I mean, you ended up having goals from Warner, Iwasa, and Ina Voltson. And some people are going to say, who the hell is Warner? So let me let me educate you for a second. Sam Warner, for those of you who don't know, played at Stanford, won basically a national championship every single year there because that's what people who go to Stanford do. And <laughs> he has emerged as probably one of the better wingers in this league. You know, he, he comes off the bench a lot, but he's a rookie. He's still finding his way. He is a left peg to be rivaled in this league, I must say. And then, of course, Cammy Watson, Thomasina Bolton don't need any introduction. But um, really, really impressed with the fact that Sacramento escaped greater amount of field with a win. And it's certainly going to make for an interesting match come this weekend as they are going to be taking on none other than El Paso Locomotive. You have a 6-7 matchup in that department. But Devin, thoughts on, on Reno and Sacramento? Yes. Uh, by the way, I have an example of someone who came at me that was educated. Can I, can I just read it to you real quick? Yeah, you can. Go ahead. Asked a question on Twitter about what the most likely upset would be. Someone said this, someone said that. I quoted a, a, a battery quote because I said, oh, doesn't it concern you that they're whatever, they were like 4, 7, and 12 or whatever against playoff games. I don't remember the number. The Regiment, at the Regiment too, shout out. He goes, one of those wins is over Nashville. In fact, if you count Open Cup, we've beaten them twice this season. Stuff like that is where I keep my mouth shut. And my exact response to him was, respect it. That's kind of how I view the Reno sack game. And I'm leading this in. It all ties together. It's a circle. Because Reno dominates the regular season over, but when it comes to Open Cup matches, Sacramento had the other side. Knockout games are tricky. They bring a whole other side. The Regiment, too, well done. Yes. And I actually liked my comment about this game, and your response was even better. I said, that's the best I've seen Sac play maybe all season. And you said, it's still not great. Totally agree with you. Because this, is, this, this play that you saw on the road at Reno was the stuff we would have expected them to be working through April, May, June. And then you start to you start to fire a little bit. This is the team that defensively they were exposed, especially in the first half. I mean, you can see it to Corey Herzog in the opening 10 minutes. That's not a good look, but they fought right back. And great goal to Sam Warner. And then from there it was, okay, well, how do we now open this thing up? Second half was all Sacramento Republic. Now can they take this momentum and flip it around against El Paso Locomotive? I've, I've got Sacramento beating El Paso. Interestingly enough, you were talking about your bracket. I picked Sacramento to win the West earlier this year. Um, I don't have them in the bracket that I did winning, but I did have them winning up until like getting to the final. So they don't win, but earlier this year, I picked them coming out of the West. I, I would like to see everything that we've seen out of the back four with Mitchell Tainer, Deco Kanon. I believe um, Barahona was back. Yes, he was. That's right. Um, yeah. he, he was great. I, I really loved him on the left side. If they can just tidy it up a little bit and, and continue this run offensively, this team can make a little run at it. I like it. Yep, for sure. Okay, so this was a, if you had said to me that Phoenix Austin was not going to have a goal, 
Fresno El Paso is going to have five and be the best game of the day from an entertainment standpoint, uh, I would have told you. I would have told you to go fly a fucking kite, Devin. Mark it down. Uh, I'm just gonna. I, I, we said so many. I'm just. He's gonna have to listen. I can't. <laughs> Mark it down for the board kid. Come on. I've got it. Go uh, all right. So this game, a lot of different storylines behind it. I mean, uh, emotional on on both sides of the ball. Fresno. We don't know what's going to happen. I mean, we do know, but we don't know. Um, we know that they're probably not going to be playing in Chuck Chancey or in the USL Championship for that matter. Um, but only time will tell in terms of what exactly is going to go down. For El Paso, of course, with the shootings at the Walmart earlier this year, just horrific scenes. Again, our thoughts and prayers continue to go out to those families who are still um, struggling and suffering. And, you know, continue to keep these people in your mind, folks. You know, whether it be, um, you know, natural disasters or, or man-made disasters, shootings or hurricanes in the Bahamas, um, you know, just because the initial shock factor wears off doesn't mean that these people still aren't going through something so unbelievably horrific that you wouldn't wish it on your worst enemy. Um, but, you know, for El Paso, we always really like the way that they played. And Phoenix has been the, the standard this year. And when we ask Rick Schaub, sort of, who do you view as, you know, maybe not as your doppelganger, but almost like, you know, who do you who do you like? Who do you maybe pull some stuff from? And he said earlier this year, he said, to be completely honest, we love the way that El Paso keep the ball. How could you not? Like, there have been times, plenty of times this year, where they have a lack of purposeful possession and we just see them with the ball. Um, you know, go see the United States U-17 team and what they did to Senegal, but they still end up losing 4-1, even with 70% possession and still managed to get outshot in that game. But that's neither here nor there. Um, for El Paso, this was a game in which in which they were always going to have to bring something special. But for Fresno, I, I mean, Devin, it's, it's so bizarre to be playing in that role and, you know, to basically almost already be looking for jobs with the guys who are playing on that team. And El Paso was on the road. You know, they knew if they had won this game, they'd be heading back home, given the Sacramento result, or at least towards the end of it. And, and they find a way to get it done. And you and I were following this while the Phoenix game was going on. And we were just astonished at how back and forth it was. I mean, Fresno is not usually a, a, a super entertaining side to watch. Are they effective? You bet your ass they are. El Paso, you know, same boat. They could have moments of glory at some partida, Jerome, Pisa, better, what, what have you. But this turned out to be one of the more entertaining matches. And we'll get to Austin and Phoenix in a second. And that was a, that was a bit of a blunder. I mean, there were some really good moments of rhythm and chances and whatever it might be for Phoenix and Austin. But, but this game was, was really, really special. And of course it ends up being Sebastian Velasquez from the spot who pushes them through um, and to be able to send them back to Southwest University. But Devin, I don't think that, you know, you and I were looking at these games and we were just sort of like, if we weren't doing Phoenix, what game would we want to do? And Fresno and El Paso certainly would not at the top of that list. No. Um, Sam Strong and the three backs starting right back, Elijah Martin at left back. Game's over. Simple. Um, no, I mean, it. look, Elijah Martin is actually someone who I was beyond impressed with his performance again. I like him. I like him a lot. Yeah, I really and, like and I have no problem with him in general. Um, I was beyond impressed with his performance um, paired up against Solomon Asante. Remember that. He was he was almost not man-marking, but he had a heck of a, a heck of a shift against him in that loss when gave, Phoenix gave up the 20 match. Um, but you don't have Bustamante on the back line. Mickey Daly's trying to figure out how to handle those two boys. And I don't mind necessarily Martin on the left next to Cooper. Um, when, when you're in a three and Sam Strong's on the right side, that was an issue for me. And, you know, he gets himself thrown out. That was, I mean, the game was, the game wasn't over then, but it was three, two, and, and they were frustrated. And um, that just, it, it didn't look good to me. You know, it was kind of like, okay, this, this isn't how this is going to go out and play out. I saw the lineup. Mike Watts texted it to me, and I was like, yeah, this they're done. And, again, I, I mentioned on the pod, what, two weeks ago that a coach who I'm not going to blow up the spot. You and I can talk about it behind the scenes, but a coach told me that this team, after 
See, they beat Phoenix. Who did they lose to after Phoenix off the top of your head? Do you remember? Mm, no, hold on. That's fine. I'm looking it up now, too. Um, so they lose, that, they lose at San Antonio. Yeah. When they lost at El Paso, so they had lost two games in a row, this coach came to me and said, I was talking about him. We were discussing things behind the scenes, a little bit of gossip. He said, I don't watch a lot of teams, but I've watched all three top teams, referencing the West, that I've watched all three top teams. Mark my words, Fresno won't win another game this season. He nailed it. I mean, I mean, he, it's, he, he nailed it. The team went 0, was it 0, 6 and one right? 0, 5 and one 0, 5 and one I mean, um, I, I, I feel for them. I feel for the situation. But, look, there's a lot of spirit in El Paso, and, and those boys are, are ripping and roaring, ready to go, which brings us to uh, – our last game. See it up, buddy. All right. Number one seed, Phoenix. Number eight seed, Austin. Um, Austin, one of the four teams to get the better of Phoenix on the year. Austin with one of the higher average ages uh, in the league. Well coached, well drilled, solid defensively. They can, they're, they're a chameleon. They can, they can form themselves into whatever background that they need to in order to blend into the surroundings and to be able to be effective and, and to, and to avoid the predator. And, and they did that. They, they were really, really, really good. I mean, you, you saw some great performances from Ethan Brothide. You saw some good stuff from Sion McFarlane. Um, not his best as, as we talked about, especially after his penalty, you know, his penalty was terrific, but it wasn't the best we've seen out of, Sion McFarlane. Um, I thought that Gustavo Rizzi was really, really good. I thought Jermaine Taylor throughout stretches uh, was solid. Um, Adam John, for the most part, I thought was neutralized. Solomon Asante, I don't know where he's gone. Um, he hasn't scored in, in over a month now. And, he, uh, you know, you talk about seeing ghosts. It's the closest thing you can get in the USL Championship is Solomon Asante seeing ghosts more or less since the Fresno game. And it's, it's tough to say that about a guy who was your runaway MVP and who was close to breaking the goal-scoring record and broke the assist record. But, you know, here we are, and Solomon Asante is not in good form, but Phoenix are still finding ways to get it done. First half was, was weird. It wasn't a game in which I was particularly, you know, I was obviously jazzed up just to be on the call for it, like with every game that we're on. But, you know, going through the game, I, I just found myself in times like the players looked, you know, it didn't look like a playoff game at times. Um, it it kind of just felt like another game. Um, but with that said, you also saw some tentativeness on the side of Phoenix. Not to say that there wasn't on the side of Austin, but, you know, there definitely were some moments with Phoenix where you saw them be a bit more brave and a bit more courageous throughout the course of the regular season, but it seemed like the moment got to them a little bit. Second half, it really started to open up a bit. You saw some, it, it was a really good rhythm and flow. You'd have 10 minutes of possession for Phoenix. They create the chances. You'd have five to seven minutes of possession for Austin, same thing. Um, but obviously nobody could break through. We saw some great saves from Diego Restrepo. We saw some heroic defending from the back line of Austin that we already named. Zach Lubin made a massive, massive save out of Ivo Tomasi, who had a brilliant game. Um, you know, Andre Lima wasn't great. Um, you know, Tua Henny was good when he came on, but it was just a bizarre game, and, and you kind of always had the feeling that it was going to go to penalties. And extra time, there were some chances for Strepo saved one off the line. It, you know, he just and Devin said it during during the replay. Just said he just made himself as big as possible. And that's what he did on the Kevin Lambert header. I just I, I can't. It, it's pretty hard to believe how that ball didn't find the back of the net. Adam John actually hit a crossbar in the first half, but then we head into penalties. And for those of you who don't know, Phoenix has never won a penalty kick shootout. They've never won or advanced in a, in a game where they've gone to extra time for get penalty kick shootout. So. There were there were some demons to be exercised here for Phoenix, and they were on their heels. I mean, there was a miss in the early in the early five from Thomas Diviardi who came on, and then Phoenix ended up missing as well. And then we go into extras. We saw some good penalties. We saw some clutch penalties from Jason Johnson, Joey Farrell. We go into extras, and oh, who was it? Oh, it was um, it was Ben Spencer who was forced to convert. 
and Ben Spencer decides to go straight down the middle on his penalty kick. And this is going to be a shot. I mean, you talk about exercising demons and seeing ghosts. This is unacceptable from Diego Restrepo because he gambles and stays down. He stays home. He stays in the middle. And if the ball is, is underneath him, he could have kicked it, to be completely honest. But he decides to try to get down, and the ball sneaks under. And he just looked lackadaisical. It, it, it looked lazy. And the ball sneaks under his arm. We go to a ninth round eventually. Jermaine Taylor tries to go right down the middle. Zach Lubin stays home. He gets down, and he actually ends up kicking it. You know, Taylor hammered it as opposed to Spencer, who kind of just brushed it. And A.J. Cochran, you talk about not being able to be romantic about the game of football. And it ends up being A.J. Cochran, who's denied by Cody Mizell to knock him out of the U.S. Open Cup who ends up sending them into the Western Conference semifinals. Um, I've never heard noise at Casino Arizona Field like we heard on Saturday night, um, particularly after the Zach Lubin saved in the early five on Thomas DiViardi and then a conversion from John Vaccaro. That place was deafening. Uh, my eardrums legitimately hurt. My voice, you know, Devin and I had needed to have water. You know, we are not prima donnas by any stretch of the imagination when it comes to our broadcast. You know, we'll do it barefoot. Devin usually does it barefoot, and we'll do it in 110 degree heat in the desert in a shack like we have. But we we, we were desperate for water because we were just running out, and the game went so long. Our executive producer ended up running a couple bottles of Dasani in there. Um, but you know, what a what an incredible amount of resiliency from Phoenix. Hats off to Austin on a quick turnaround as they were able to as they were able to get it done and at least you know get it draw uh as, as it were but a, a really interesting game and phoenix i'm gonna crack in the monarchs who snapped their 17 match on beating streak at home lots of storylines again <laughs> sing it with me i'll see you ben spencer <laughs> I can't hear it. I can't hear it. Oh, you call. Ghostbusters. Um, yeah, I think you said it all best. I mean, look, it by no means in the overall 90 was any team better than the other one. We can agree on that, right? Yes. Yes. Um, games like this, there's the luck factor. There's the individuals that are going to step up. You know, I had the opportunity to do the League One final two weeks ago, last week, whenever the hell it was. And John Hart said it best. It's knockout. And he says, in games like this, sometimes you just got to throw tactics aside because there's going to be special moments. Some guys can handle it. Some can't. And those ones that are willing to step up and handle it, if you can get one or two guys to make a play like that for you in a game, those are the ones that are going to win it. Ask Ima Tumasi how he feels about that. And I'm not, that's, not, that's not throwing shade at him. He played great. But he had opportunities to finish his game off. One-on-one, Zach Lubin. You're already drifting to your left. Slide that ball across, use the momentum for you, goalkeeper flat-footed, and go after him. Instead, you get guessing games. That's sometimes a forward has too many time, too much time, excuse me, to think about it, can't finish it off. You saw the same one-two punch in the second half where he and substitute Chris Tierpak couldn't figure it out. Take time, take time, take time. Finally, Tierpak was like, here you go, you take it, Ima. Tumasi, back post, couldn't score. And overtime, like... Couldn't get it done. Everybody was just tired at that point in time. You're hoping for penalties. Diego Restrepo, sorry, man. You got to make a save. That is the easiest save that you will have to make, and you can't get it done. And that is the the special season that Phoenix is having, where luck comes into this game. Lady Luck stuck her head out for Phoenix, and they weren't about to give a second opportunity to the visitors. They'd given up so many, and, and they weren't giving another one, at least in terms of penalties. You don't score yours, fine. That's fine. You had a chance to pull it away. And Austin Bold couldn't close things out. 
Well done by Zach Lubin. I'm not taking anything away from Phoenix. They deserve to win. Whether other teams close their chances out or not, they probably both, you could say, had the same amount of chances. Phoenix closed theirs. They move on. Simple as that. All right. We're running pretty heavy on this. So in terms of the games that we have coming up this weekend, I mean, it's so difficult to kind of preview them just because they are one-offs and, um, you know, it's anybody's guess. But we'll go through them quickly. We have Phoenix and the Monarchs. That's going to be on Friday. That's a dollar beer night, of course, 1030 Eastern time. That kickoff. El Paso and Sacramento, 67 matchup. That game is at Southwest University Park as El Paso are looking to make a big run in their inaugural season against the Quails, who have struggled in the postseason over the past four years or so. That game is going to be on Saturday, 9.30 Eastern time kickoff. Rest of the games are Saturday, including that El Paso one. Pittsburgh and Louisville are going to be at 7 o'clock. Devin and I, you should be on the call with me in the Louisville market on Saturday, 7 p.m. Eastern time, Saturday, November 2nd. And then 8 o'clock Eastern time, we have Indy and Nashville. That game is going to be from First Tennessee, First Tennessee or, or, uh, or Nissan. Who cares? Who cares? God bless. Okay. Um, predictions quickly. Go, Devin. Start with Phoenix Monarch. Phoenix. El Paso, Sacramento. Sacramento. Pittsburgh, Louisville. Louisville. Indy. Indy. Don't yeah. even ask. Indy. Don't even ask. Which one? Which one are you most excited for? Most excited for in terms of the game, or no, like most excited like to call? What, what, no, no. In, in terms of what favorite colors you like on the teams. What else am I talking about? I thought you meant like most excited. What game am I most excited to call? That, that's what you could have been asking. We're only on the call for two games. We're on the call for Phoenix. We're on the call for Louisville. I hate to bust your bubble, and I just answer my own question. I'm not on the call for the Louisville game. I'm sorry. What happened? I I think it's, I'm I'll be out of town. I have a I have a college game on Sunday. I won't be in town. Oh, God bless you. I man. literally get 10:30 game on Eastern Standard Time Friday night off air at hopefully 12:30. If you guys can do this in regulation, I'd really appreciate it because I'm up at 4:30 for like a 6 a.m. on Saturday morning. So you want to come sleep over if you're flying out of Fort Lauderdale? I don't fly out of that town. You know better by now. Yeah, it's a dirty town. Not when I'm not paying for it. Um, I would say uh, honestly, the matchup. It's funny, like, you're going to laugh at me, but I'm actually really interested to see the El Paso sack game, and here's why. Yeah. Hang on, hear, hear me out. Hear, hear me out. I don't see Real going to Phoenix and winning twice. I just don't see it happening. Like, they don't lose at home like that. I didn't expect that to be your one, but I know there's one for me that's blatantly obvious. Uh, you want the Louisville-Pittsburgh game? Great. I want, I want, it, how could you not? Na- Nashville and Indi- the way Nashville and India are playing, with all due respect, it's They're going to put you to sleep. Game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited about the prospect of it because both teams are getting better talking about Stack and El Paso. El Paso has gotten better m- more recently. Like, they've played better games, and they deserve to be the rest. Stack played a lot. That was a big jump in terms of form. So if either one of these teams can make another big jump, I'm, I'm happy with it. I just want to see a good game out of them. And I think that hey, I think that whoever hey, comes got, out of that I match. Question. I got a question for you. Chicken. You want to make a bet on Nashville Indy that it's no milk? I'll give you some good odds. You can win some money no, back. No, no, <laughs> absolutely not. Okay, here's a good bet. What's better? What's what's more likely to be nil nil? Indy at Nashville or Louisville at Pittsburgh? Indy at Nashville, one thousand. I would take that. I would I would agree with you too. All right, I gotta go. Okay, I gotta okay. go have some. I gotta go have some adult Miller lights. Where we can we get off this call? I'm done. Adult Miller lights? Is there a junior Miller light that I'm not aware of that has no alcohol? Well, Miller light. Like, no adult Miller lights mean I'm gonna spike them with something. So let's go. Come on, let's let's say goodbye. I'm talking that. All right, let's say yeah. goodbye. Football loving maniacs continue to enjoy it. Eight teams left. Four teams on either side of the Mississippi, all leading up to the final on ESPN two. Sunday, November 17th, Phoenix, Monarchs, El Paso, Sacramento, Pittsburgh, Louisville, Indy, Nashville, Brickyard Battalion. We got the roadies. We got 
the Coopers, we got the Steel Army, we got the Bandidos, we got the Red Fury, we got the Wasatch, I forget Monarch 7, help me out. We have El Paso and the Notch. We have the Wasatch Legion. We have the 8th or ninth Notch? 8th Notch. You got it right. What is it? Eight yeah, notch. it's eight. Eight yeah. notch. And then, of course, we have dancing bears and whatever you want to call them at Papa Murphy's Park. Um, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm really pumped. But we got a long way to go. We have we have four days to go until Friday when we get a little dollar beer night between Phoenix and Real Monarchs right at Casino Arizona Field. But Football Every Maniacs, we love you. Continue to just soak every single moment in. Just let it drip off of you and then get ready to do it again next week because then we'll just have four teams left. Yeah, baby. We'll see you soon. Arrivederci.